1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This evening, we're going to pick up on the series Faith and Prayer, right where Pastor left off last Wednesday evening. John 12, verse 49, gives us an example of something that Jesus said repeatedly. John 12, 49, reading out of the NIV, For I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. If you read through John's gospel, repeatedly Jesus would say things like, whatever I do, I do because that's what the Father would have me do. That's what he has shown me that I ought to do. Whatever I say, it's what the Father would have me say. I'm only saying what the Father would have me say. I'm only doing what the Father would have me do. So John 12, 49, I did not speak of my own accord, but the Father who sent me commanded me what to say and how to say it. In the New Testament, we have the words of our Heavenly Father. The Gospels help us to understand how Jesus saw the Father. One of the things that changed Oral Roberts' life, he was pastoring a small church in Enid, Oklahoma. It's still there. If you ever drive through Enid, you can Google the information, go see it. Uh, maybe they give you a tour, let you see the pastor's office. But he was a young pastor. He set time aside to seek the Lord. And in doing that, one of the things that he did was he read the Gospels repeatedly during that season. And reading the Gospels helps us to understand who Jesus is but it also helps us to understand who our Heavenly Father is. And in the New Testament, we have the words of our Father. And the Gospels help us to understand how Jesus saw His Father. Jesus introduced Father God to us in a personal way. He made the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob known to us as Abba, Father. That's why sometimes when we give an invitation, we'll describe it as when you give your life to the Lord, you're entering into a personal relationship with Father God through Jesus Christ. And we describe it as a personal relationship, something close, something intimate that involves fellowship. So in Christ, we're not distant, we're not far away, we have been brought near. You read the Old Testament, the days of Moses, they were, they were told that they could not come near and uh, their relationship was very distant. Only Moses could tread upon Mount Sinai. Everyone had to stay, everyone else had to stay far away at a distance. And even then, once they had the tabernacle, only the high priest could enter into the Holy of Holies, and that was once a year. And they would tie a rope around one of his ankles, and that way, if there were things in his life that were displeasing to the Lord, and he dropped dead they could drag his body out of there. Well, praise God, we have a new covenant in Christ Jesus Amen. that is better in every way, Amen. with better promises. Amen. Amen. And we have a superior high priest, and his name is Jesus. And as Hebrews tells us, he is a high priest in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron or Levi. 
And in Christ, we're not distant or far away. We have been brought near. Ephesians 2 and verse 13, Paul writes, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near. Say, I have been brought near. I have been brought near. You who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. Amen. So in Christ, we come to know Father God as our dear, precious Abba Father. He is Father. Now, maybe with your earthly parents, you, you haven't had, you don't have a good or a close relationship. Maybe with your earthly father, you don't have a good or close relationship. Maybe with your earthly father, you don't feel like you can text him or call him or knock on his door uh, anytime you want, but that is not who our heavenly father is. He is not distant or far away. He is near. We have been brought near with Christ, in Christ. And we find out in Hebrews that because of what Christ has done, we can enter the presence of our Heavenly Father. We can enter the Holy of Holies anytime we want with boldness, with confidence, with great assurance. John 19 and verse 7 shows us that Jesus was crucified. He was put to death because he dared to call God his Father. John 19 verse 7, the Jews insisted we have a law. And according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the sons of God, the son of God. Well, in Christ, we're the sons and daughters of God. In Christ, we're the children of God. In Christ, we have been brought near. In Christ, we are co-heirs with Christ. In Christ, Jesus is our elder brother. So it is a close, personal relationship. But this is one of the reasons why they put Jesus to death. John 19, 7, he claimed to be the son of God. He dared to call God Father. He dared to call God Abba. And so they persecuted him for it. They arrested him. They put him on trial. They crucified him and put him to death. They crucified the Holy One of Israel. The Pauline epistles help us to understand who our Heavenly Father is. That's the reason why when somebody is a new believer, doesn't matter if they're 20 or 35 or 55 or 85, when someone is a new believer and new to the things of God, we might encourage them to read a gospel, like the gospel of Mark, which is the shortest of the four gospels. But then we'll, we'll say, read the Pauline epistles. Because the Pauline epistles, as we're learning on Sunday mornings, they teach us who we are in Christ, where we are in Christ, what we have in Christ, and what we can do in Christ. And the Pauline epistles also show us who Father God is for us as Christians. Under which covenant? The new covenant. E.W. Kenyon once wrote that there's nothing sadder than someone under the new covenant trying to live as if they're under the old covenant. And it's amazing how people get off into this nonsense or that nonsense. It's amazing how People will get into groups where the emphasis is basically practicing Judaism, not Christianity. And that's to ignore all that Christ did for us and who we are in Christ and all that the Pauline epistles teach us. They show us who Father God is for us as Christians under the new covenant. The Pauline epistles show us the substitutionary work that Father God did on our behalf through Jesus. The Pauline epistles teach us what it means to be a new creation in Christ. The Pauline epistles teach us who we are in Christ. 
They teach us who we are as the sons and the daughters of Almighty God. And you might say, what are the, the Pauline epistles? In your New Testament, go past Acts, go to Romans. I wouldn't necessarily start reading at Romans. I would read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians first. Galatians is like the Cliff Notes version of Romans. So read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians first, then backtrack and read Romans and First and Second Corinthians and read all the other Pauline letters. The majority of the New Testament was written by the Apostle Paul. He was uniquely gifted and called by God to understand the New Covenant, to explain the New Covenant and what it means. And so in the New Covenant, we find out, in his letters, we find out who we are. God's word on the lips of Jesus was a living, breathing fact. Literally, Jesus was the word made flesh. That's John 1. What Jesus said is and forever will be. What he said was, is, and forever will be. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 24, 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. It doesn't matter how much the culture hates his word. It doesn't matter how much the culture and the intelligentsia and the powers that be, the principalities and the, the powers that are in place, it doesn't matter how much they disagree or dislike or hate or despise his word. He said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Think either last Wednesday night or Sunday morning at 9 a.m., pastor mentioned that during the millennium, he will rule and reign by his word. You know, the very commands that people hate and despise will be fully in effect and will be fully enforced with all the penalties too. Heaven and earth will pass away but my words will never pass away. That's why Jesus said in Revelation 22 and verse 13, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You read the rest of Revelation 22, you, you find out that we're not to add to his word. We're not to take away from his word. And this is the, the basic problem of this generation. Want to come to the word and pick and choose what we like. Want to take out what we don't like. Want to ignore what we don't like. So you read Revelation 22, keep reading, you find out we're not to take away from his word, we're not to add to it. Jesus is the word. He is the word made flesh. Amen. And so when we come to know that the word is Jesus, and the word is Jesus speaking to us, then we will begin to speak his word with confidence in our daily lives. We'll speak his word with confidence in our prayer lives. Sunday at 9 a.m., pastor mentioned Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German pastor and theologian who died as a martyr shortly before the war ended. They, they hung him at Flossenburg concentration camp four days before the Allies arrived. It was done out of spite. But he said this about the Bible. I believe that the Bible alone is the answer to all our questions and that we need only to ask repeatedly and a little humbly in order to receive this answer. One cannot simply read the Bible like other books. One must be prepared really to inquire of it. Only thus will it reveal itself. Only if we expect from it the ultimate answer shall we receive it. That is because in the Bible, God speaks to us. Now, he was the product of 20th century, early 20th century German liberalism. And he came out of that to some degree. 
And he once wrote to one of his cousins and said for the first, he had finished his doctorate at the age of 21. He was serving as a Lutheran pastor. Yet it was after that that he later wrote to a cousin. He said, for the first time in my life, I have discovered the Bible. And so then later, when he taught in seminary, and then later when he ran an illegal seminary, he taught his students that when they read the Bible, they should ask, what is God saying to me here and now? We, so we're not reading the Bible and studying the Bible and meditating on the Bible like some other book. It is the Word of God. It is the Word of God to us. It is the Word of God to us here and now. It is the Word of God to us here and now in 2021. Amen. Now, Jessica told me about something today, and I was just thinking about Matthew 6. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. It doesn't matter what's on the news. It doesn't matter what the employer says or what form they want you to fill out. Do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry, do not worry, do not worry. Amen. So his word liveth, and it liveth in us. Amen. And it's, it is the living word, and it speaks to us today, Amen. just as much as it did believers in the first century. So Jesus is the word, the word made flesh. And when we come to know that the word is Jesus, the word is Jesus speaking to us, then we'll dare to speak his word with confidence in our lives in our prayer lives. He didn't remain in the grave. He rose from the dead. So his word is as fresh today as it was then. His word and the things of God are a reality today, just as if Jesus died a month ago and just as if Pentecost happened last week. So we have to live and act and pray and conduct ourselves as, as if that is true. A living word a living reality in our lives. He is all of this to us here and now. His word is a living message to us now in the present. So when you read the word of God, now I'm assuming, I'm, I'm presuming that you read the word. And I'm all for devotionals. Devotionals have a place. Chicken soup for the soul, whatever it is. I always, I always mention that one. I know that's old. I'm not up to date on what the latest, most popular devotionals are. It's all fine and all wonderful, but none of that can be a substitute for the Word of God. Amen. And we have the daily Bible reading. You can do that. There are other plans you can do. If you're an overachiever and you want to do it in nine months or six months, double up, triple up, whatever it is. But you should have time set aside for prayer and you should have time set aside for the Word of God. We often mention reading the proverb for the day. That is the bare minimum that we should all be doing. We ought to all be spending time in the Word. We ought to all be spending time in Proverbs. We ought to all be spending time in Psalms. We ought to all be spending time in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. It is all important. It is all His Word. It is all His Word to us here and now. And pastor says all the time that as we read through the Bible, we, we, we see things that we didn't see before. We learn things that we didn't really understood, understand before. That things that never stood out to us, they, they stand out to us as we read through the Bible again. So you got to spend time in the Word of God. And as you do that, you can ask yourself, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer encouraged his students, what is God saying to me here and now? 
What is God asking me to do here and now? What is God asking me to change here and now? What Jesus said was a part of himself, and his word should be a part of our lives. The past few Sundays, we've been in Joshua 1.8. We should meditate on the word of God day and night. We should do what God told Joshua to do, meditate on his word day and night. And our lives ought to be governed and directed by the word of God. It just amazes me how compliant everybody is in 2021. And I'm not talking about y'all wonderful people. I'm talking about everybody out there. I remember back during the last school year when there was talk about two masks. I mean, just, just like that, saw people two masks. You know, if they said three masks or four masks, you know, people, people would do it. I mean, it is just amazing to me how quickly people are willing to do whatever the government says or this media, media talking head says or this politician says, but you talk about what the Word of God says to do and there's this objection and that objection and, well, that don't apply to us today or Mama told me otherwise. So it's, a, it's an amazing contrast that in a time where everybody's just willing to just do whatever, there is still so much resistance to embracing the Word of God as the living Word. And it's the living Word that has power. It's the living Word that can change our lives for the better. So our lives should be governed and directed by the Word of God. The Word was and is a living reality. The veracity of the Word of God, its truth and truthfulness, its veracity is the foundation of our faith. And faith gives substance to prayer and makes prayer a living reality. So you have to believe the Word. And you have to trust the Word. Amen. As pastor says, your attitude has to be, Heavenly Father, I, I find no fault in you and I find no fault in your, your Word. And he's often shared the illustration that there was a point in the 80s where he and my mom just decided that if there was anything that they weren't doing, that they saw in the Word they should be doing, they would start doing it. And if there was anything that they were doing that they should not be doing, that they saw in the Word, they would stop it. See, and that, that's a life submitted to the Word of God. And that's a life that our Heavenly Father can bless. How do we believe God? How do we successfully pray? How do we successfully and effectively pray the prayer of faith. It's only on the basis of our knowledge of the Word of God. That's why we often give the illustration when people say, well, I don't know what the will of God is. They're, they're just saying they don't know what the Word says. If you know what the Word says, you know what God's will is. And you can pray and believe accordingly. So we believe on the basis of our knowledge of the Word of God. We, we pray and pray effectively and successfully on the basis of our knowledge of the Word of God. And that's why we say to find two to three scriptures that cover your situation or your need or your dream and desire so you stand on the Word. That's what God can bless. As Hebrews tells us, that's what Jesus can say amen to. He's the high priest of our profession. Our doing what? Our saying the same thing God says. Amen. In California, there's a pastor, and they just won a big court case this week. And the state of California is going to have to reimburse that church for all the legal fees, all the fines. But 
it's amazing to me how upset some Christians are about this. They're upset that this pastor had courage to hold church in the first place. They're upset that he held church, large church, a lot of people, without issue. They're upset that he, he did it and he defied them in California every step of the way and did so successfully. And now they're like quadruply upset that it's going to be made up to them. And God will do much more beyond that. Amen. And even though that pastor's not a faith guy, I told my father, he has demonstrated greater faith than many people who say they're faith people. See, what we do and what the action we take and how we pray and how we conduct ourselves, it reveals, it shows what we really believe about the Word of God. And so again, we've got to always come back to His Word. Father that was in need of a miracle, he said to Jesus, help thou my unbelief. Well, how do we help our unbelief? We go to the Word. We spend time in the Word. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We, we meditate on the Word. We, we listen to faith-filled sermons. Now, I made the mistake uh, Friday evening, some point, I turned on the news for just a little bit. It was just unbelievable. You know, and they, they had on some talking head talking about how, well, this is not the old Taliban, this is the new Taliban. And this is the, the new and the nicer and the improved Taliban. And we can, we can work together. And Jessica just said, turn that off. Now, I thought I'd just see what's going on. So you got to turn that off and listen to the Word of God and listen to things that will build up your faith. So soak in the Word. Spend time in God's Word daily. Renew your mind to the Word of God. And we've got to do this more than ever in 2021. Train your spirit. Train the real you on the inside of you. Train your spirit by meditating on the Word and speaking the Word and taking action on the Word. In the mail this week, Jessica got not, not, not uh, flashcards, but they're, uh, they're cards that can be stuck various places, but for the girls, they have Scripture verses on them. And I, I told Jessica that one of the professors that influenced me the mo most, he's since gone on to be with the, the Lord, was uh, Roy Fish, probably one of the, the greatest evangelism professors, and he lived it out in Southern Baptist life in the 20th century. And he, he also was in other circles. Even Bernard Johnson knew him and had done crusades with him. A wonderful, wonderful man of God. But I, I remember nearly every class, he would, he would pull a, a stack of scripture cards out of his pocket. And he would talk to us about carrying the word of God with you wherever you go and memorizing the word of God. He, he would talk about how that every day he was working on a new scripture and how over time he had, he had memorized this many verses. So we ought, to, we ought to build the Word of God into our lives in some way or another. And we have no excuses with all the technology. Amen. You know, and you can, instead of listening to this or that, you can listen to the Word of God. Amen. Sure, you get online and find Charlton Heston reading it to you to make it more dramatic. Whatever you got to do. But we ought to soak in the Word. We ought to meditate on the Word. We ought to train our spirits by meditating on the Word and speaking the Word and taking action on the Word. Joshua 1.8, do not let this book of the law. And of course, God was speaking of the Word that they had then, which was the Word that God had given to Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. How often? Day and night. Day and night. So you may be careful to do everything 
written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. The King James says, then thou shalt have good success. The New King James, which I like, says, then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Say, good success. Good success. So we've got to discipline ourselves to do this more in 2021, not less. This is on the news, that's on the news. There's this worry, there's this concern, there's this anxiety. We've got to get in the Word. And we've got to spend more time in the Word of God. Let the Word of God work in your life and in your circumstances. John 15, 7, Jesus said, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. We've got to abide in Him. And we've got to let Him and His Word abide in us. And that is continuous, ongoing action. A literal translation would read, if you abide in me and my words are living in you, ask whatever you will and it will leap into being. It will become a fact, a reality. So whether we realize it or not, whether we believe it or not, His word on our lips, spoken out of our mouths, it is no different than His word on the lips of the Apostle Paul. It's no different than His word on the lips of Peter, or Apollos, or Barnabas, or any of them. It's no different than his word on the lips of Jesus. But we, we don't believe it. We haven't renewed our minds sufficiently to who we are in Christ under the new covenant. So we have to take him at his word. It is his word that changes lives and changes circumstances. It is his word that has power. It is his word that produces a harvest. So if we take him at his word, it'll change our lives and our circumstances. We just have to take God at his word. His word says no harm shall come nigh unto us. Now we either believe it or we don't. No harm shall come nigh unto you. We either believe it or we don't. Now you need to read in Exodus when God sent plagues upon Egypt. They had no effect upon the children of Israel. Now if you took this generation back then they would be doing whatever the Egyptian physician said to do instead of putting lamb's blood on the door. And that's when a price gets paid. But if you take the time to read and study Exodus, Old Covenant, they were blessed in Goshen while the Egyptians were cursed in Egypt. See, we have not sufficiently renewed our minds to the word of God. So he says, no harm shall come to you. So we just have to take God at his word and act like it is so, because it is so. And it is so for whoever takes him at his word. And we, we've lived that out the past year and a half. And we've walked in the blessing of God. We've walked in the healing power of God. Amen. Amen. So you have to take him at his word. His word has creative, circumstance-changing power. Doesn't matter what the news is. Doesn't matter what the report is. His word has power. And his creative ability is in his word. And so we have to speak his word. And if we'll speak his word, it will have creative ability in our everyday lives and our everyday circumstances to change things. You know, Emily's been teething, got a bunch of teeth coming in all at once. She's been overcoming and you know when a baby's unhappy mama's unhappy everybody's unhappy 
And uh, Tuesday morning, you know, Jessica said she was really unhappy, wouldn't even eat. So after I was done teaching here at St. Paul's, I went in my office, I got down on my knees in my father's office, and I asked the Lord for an immediate change of circumstances. And it wasn't 15 minutes later. And she texted me and said, she's happy, she's eating. It is a dramatic improvement. His word spoken out of our mouths and us standing on his word, it has creative power. It has supernatural power. And it changes lives. It changes circumstances. It brings provision where there is need. It brings healing where there is sickness of some kind. His word has power, but his word awaits lips of faith. Someone to believe it, someone to speak it, someone who dares to utter it. I've used it as an example before, but it is a great example of how ridiculous things are today. You know, there was a point in time where Christianity Today was a decent magazine. That was decades ago. But about two years ago, there was actually an article where they were encouraging Christians to no longer pray over their food in public. See, a generation is being trained to be ashamed of God and to be ashamed of his word. And instead of living by what the word says, to live by what the culture says and to make the culture happy. But his word has power. So we ought to know it. We ought to have it in us. We ought not be ashamed of it. We ought not be ashamed to speak it and to pray it and even to pray it over your food. Amen? Amen. Whether you're somewhere nice or at Taco Bell or whatever it is, you might want to especially pray over your food at some places. We have to believe his word. We have to speak his word. We have to pray his word and take action on his word. His word awaits lips of faith. And if you'll realize this, your prayer life can become powerful and effective, just like any of the saints in the New Testament. Your words and your prayer can become powerful and effective. We just have to have the boldness to say what the Word says. We just have to have the boldness and confidence to pray what the Word says. We just have to have the boldness and confidence to enter the throne room of our Heavenly Father, knowing that He's glad to see us, that He's for us and not against us that he wants to do good things and he wants to do miracles. And as John tells us, he hears us, he answers us, and we know that we have whatever we have asked of him. Someone might ask, did he include me when he gave us John 3 and verse 16? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, say whoever, whoever, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Yes, he meant you and me. He meant everyone else too, for God so loved the world. Tell your neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to me. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to you. Someone might ask, did he include me when he gave us John 1 and verse 12? But as many as received him, to them he gave the right, the privilege, the right, the privilege to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. Yes, he meant you, he meant me, he meant everyone else too. Tell your neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to you. The Bible is God speaking to you. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to me. The Bible is God speaking to me. Someone might ask, did he include me when he gave us Isaiah 41 and verse 10? So do not fear, for I am with you. 
Yeah, that's Old Testament. It's Old Covenant. Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So yes, he meant you and me and everyone else too. Tell your neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to me. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to you. Someone might ask, did he include me when he gave us Jeremiah 33 and verse 3? Call to me, and I will answer you. So, so praise God, he answers, pastor, amen, but he answers you and me too. Amen. But see, we just have to renew our minds to that fact. Call to me, and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Now, first, this generation has to realize that we don't know everything. You know, we think because we got iPhones and we got Google that we're all so smart and so sophisticated. But if you haven't noticed, for basic math, you're whipping out your iPhone every time. <laughs> See, is it, is it making us smarter or the opposite? The opposite. So we have to be humble. The Bible teaches that if we will humble ourselves, we will be lifted up in due season. We don't know everything. And so he says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So yes, he meant you and me and everyone too. Tell your neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to me. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to you. Someone might ask, did he include me when he gave us Isaiah 45 and verse 11? Thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel and his maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. Command ye me. So he'll tell us what's to come. And he's, he's awaiting us to pray the prayer of faith. He's awaiting us to make a demand of faith. So yes, he meant you. And he meant me. He meant all of us. He meant everyone. Tell your neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to me. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to you. Did he include me when he gave us John 15 and verse 5? I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you want to live a successful Christian life, blessed of God, bearing much fruit, you have to embrace him. And you can't embrace him without embracing his word because he is the word he is the word made flesh and see all those thousands of years ago David understood this he said your word it is a lamp unto my feet and repeatedly in the Psalms I delight in your word so see we ought to be delighting in his word and not just when there's a need not just when there's an emergency we ought to be delighting in his word every day of our lives. Amen. Someone might say, did he include me when he gave us John 15 and verse 7? If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. So yes, he meant you and me and everyone. Tell your neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to me. The Bible is God speaking to me. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to you. Someone might ask, did he include me when he gave us 1 John 5? 14 and 15, the answer is yes. This is the confidence we have. Everyone, every believer can have this 
confidence. You see, this is why Satan wants God's people to live defeated lives and backslidden lives and compromised lives. And they're, they're, they're living for God one week and they're doing something else the next week. They're putting their hand on the plow and they're looking back every other week. It's so that when they go before our Heavenly Father, their hearts will condemn them. And that's no way to live. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to his will, which is his word, he hears us. Say, he hears me. He say, he hears me. He hears me. Say, say, whether I feel like it or not, I feel like he, not. Hears me. he hears me. Say it again. Say, he hears me. He hears me. Well, well, if he hears us, we ought to have the joy of the Lord. Amen. If he hears us, we ought to have confidence. If he hears us, we, we ought not be filled with anxiety and fear and worry and despair. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. So yes, he meant you and me. He meant everyone. He meant everyone. Tell your neighbor again, say, the Bible is God speaking to me. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to you. So all of these verses belong to you. Amen. And every promise in the word of God, it belongs to you. Amen. Every promise, every promise in his word, it belongs to you. Jesus died, he gave his life to make every one of these verses and every promise, including the ones in the Old Testament, available to you. What word did Jesus have when he ministered on planet Earth? The Old Testament. It's all his word. Amen. And we can learn from all of it. Amen. And we can stand on any of it. And we can walk in the blessings associated with any of the commands and promises. What word did the early church have and value? The Old Testament. So all of it is his word to us. All of these verses belong to you. All of these promises belong to you. So he died and gave his life to make all of these verses and all of these promises available to you, including the ones in the Old Testament. It's as though you were the only person in the world and Father God wrote his word for your benefit. And that's why you've got to have your quiet time, whether it's in the morning or in the evening. I realize there's all kinds of schedules whether it's at lunch, you got to have your quiet time in the Word of God. And you've got to say, what is God saying to me here and now? What is Father God saying to me here and now? What is His Word saying to me here and now that I need to change, or I need to do differently, or I need to stop, or I need to start? What is my Heavenly Father? What is He saying to me here and now? All of his word is for our good. All of his word is for our benefit. Amen. It's living, it's active. It has great power and effect. Say it's for my good. It's Say it's for my benefit. It's for my benefit. Say he loves me. He loves Say me. oh how he loves me. Say it's all for my good. It's all for my benefit. Someone might ask, did he include us when he gave us John 16, 24? Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. 
He meant you. He meant me. He meant every one of us. Whosoever will. Whosoever will believe. Whosoever will take God at his word. Tell your neighbor again, say, the Bible is God speaking to me. Tell your other neighbor, say, the Bible is God speaking to you. So you might say after tonight, man, Austin really wants us to read our Bibles. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And, I'm, you know, the technology is wonderful as long as it works. Amen. But there's nothing like having a Bible that's yours. Amen. There's nothing like having a Bible that you read and you mark up and you take notes in and you highlight, and maybe someone at some point told you that that's sacrilegious. Now, mark in it, highlight, underline, take notes, amen. amen. It is his word to you. It's all yours. It is all yours. Every promise is yours. As the New Testament tells us, as the Apostle Paul tells us, every promise in God's word is yes and amen in Christ which means so be it, so be it unto you. So take him at his word. There is no question about his word belonging to you. His word belongs to you just as much as when you get paid at work. That money belongs to you. His word is yours, so make it yours and take your place. Begin a real prayer life. Begin and devote serious time to the study of God's word. Set the time aside. And if you haven't been spending any time in the Word of God, don't say, well, tomorrow I'm going to wake up at 3 a.m. and I'm going to read the Bible three hours before I go to work. <laughs> you may do that once, but the next day it will not go so well. Little by little, amen. That's true in finances. That's true of all things. You do that going to the gym, you're going to hurt yourself. So start at 10 minutes and do that consistently. Then go to 20 minutes. Do that consistently and then go to 40 minutes. Spend time in his word. Make it yours. Begin a real prayer life. Begin and devote serious time to the study of God's word. You can do it. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Amen? Amen. And as I said, if you're, you're new to the things of God, you just got saved, read the Gospel of Mark. Read Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians. Amen? I just read Leviticus a few months ago. I even read it in the King James. I was so proud of myself. <laughs> took me a while, though. Don't start in Leviticus, amen. <laughs> but it is all his word, amen. and it all has great power amen. in our lives. Amen. amen. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817 561 3400 or send an email to info at Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.